Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, yeah, it's been crazy recently. I've uh, been writing a lot of music um, and doing a lot of podcasts. So uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening and keep on downloading these episodes it's amazing um if this is the first time you are listening to this podcast please go hit subscribe and go listen to all the episodes back there's a bunch um i believe this is the 118th so you've got a bit of time to go and listen to um now moving on it is podcast time and this week i have the one only somi come on and have a conversation came across so me well she actually corrected me in the podcast of when we first met um but i she really came on my radar uh during the pandemic and one of her first records i was like wow this is different but also really really well done um and it just felt very authentic to to her um so I kind of briefly kept in touch with her over the pandemic and we've bumped into each other and been on the same lineups or been on the same festivals and kind of seen her over the last couple of years or last 18 months really grow as an artist. Um, so I really wanted to get her on. And I, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting to have a conversation like we just had. It was it was a beautiful conversation. Um, so I'm going to stop rambling on and let you guys hear it so without further ado somi somi what's cooking hey good morning <laughs> morning it's evening now it's night time for me night wait are you are you in detroit no i'm in england 6 p.m oh wow so yeah. do you split your time evenly between the two places uh not evenly just depends kind of where where i'm at in the world so i'm just turning my speaker yeah. off i remember i just asked you to turn everything off and i didn't turn everything off myself um <laughs> yeah it just depends where i'm touring really at the moment i'm doing like one week in america one week in europe touring so it's like seems pointless me going to america and then going to detroit and then detroit back to Europe and then back to England. So it's like I do yeah. England, America tour, America, England, and then England, Europe. Oh my gosh. So. I, you, you lost me at like the second <laughs> England, but <laughs> it's good fun though, right? How it's like, yeah, we're lucky what we do. So lucky. Um, so lucky. When did it all start for you? Cause I, when, when did we first meet? I'm trying to think back. 
So we first met, I don't know if, if it was like we met, met, but I opened for you and option four at sound nightclub. Yeah. Um, Did we meet right? that night though? Like in passing, yeah. you know, I think, I think maybe Mark made sure that we at least said hello during yeah, like, yeah, yeah. before the hand, the, the changeover. Um, but that was May of 2019. And then did I see you at Brooklyn Mirage? That sounds which which show? I can't remember, but it was that year. Oh no, I had not been. Oh, so I I went to the. I had I had not yet been to the Brooklyn Mirage in 2019. Like in November of that year, I went to Avant Gardner, the inside room, the inside hall, I yeah. should say. And um I saw I, I went for like a drum code party uh, okay. for fun. Like to, yeah. But that was I, I had not yet experienced the outside like Mirage part. The Mirage is the best. Have you been this year? It is the best. Yeah, I just played um I don't know how many weeks ago it was now, but uh, maybe two or three weeks ago with Rufus DeSoul. Sick. Oh, Brennan played then as well. Option 4 played that night as well, didn't he? Did he? Uh, oh, no. He no, no, no. He did Duke Dumont. Weekend. He did Duke Dumont. Yeah, yes. yeah. How was the Rufus DeSoul? Yes. Because I was in New York at the same time. Oh, I played okay. a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you have a show? Ah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was... It was epic. <laughs> and um, it was fun because... It was like right after, I guess, they had renovated the, the space. Mm. And so it looked a bit different than the last time I had been there. Like they got rid of the, like, the big pillars yeah. that used to block everyone's view. Yeah. <laughs> and they like expanded the the screen, mm. you know, behind the stage. And it's now this like crazy wraparound, I don't even know, amazing thing. I wonder how many people get epilepsy just because of that. <laughs> but I think if you're like yeah, way up front and they get the visuals going, Intense. you're... It, it, the the chances are high <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing what they've done with that venue um it's like i haven't been this year um to to the the mirage part but and i don't think i will i don't think i'm playing there all, all summer um but it's crazy what they've done considering yeah. over the years what's it like to play there yeah um so i've played there maybe three or four times now at to different like sizes of audience you yeah. know and at different times too like yeah. i've played there in the daytime mm. you know like like i've opened up a party from like literally just the 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 staff yeah. you know like doors mm. and there being nobody there and it's it's like like 100 million degrees outside to um you know getting to play support yeah before someone like boris brecha or mm. or rufus and so like you know very different kinds of shows different like s sizes of audience like i said and um it's just so no matter what like you're just it's just such a grandiose space like mm. it's it's an incredible experience um i will say though that the way that it's designed and built like it's sort of an optical illusion from where you're standing on stage. Mm. Like you don't realize how big it is on stage. Know, right? It's weird. Yeah. Right. Like, like the depth perception is completely <laughs> off. So like, it, it seems like you're playing to a very short yeah. room and then it's only until you see videos that, you know, people have took from like the, mm. the upstairs looking mm. down and you're like, Oh my God, is yeah. it that deep? <laughs> like, um, and it's probably for the best that you can't really perceive that or else I'd probably be like freaking out. <laughs> I think it's because you're like lower down. So yeah. the crowd is actually quite close to you and you're also like pretty low in considering yeah. a normal, like if you were playing a festival, you'd be much higher yeah. um, for some reason. So I guess so everyone can see you, but like 
it's not necessarily about that where there you're you're lower down so you only see like half the crowd i know what you mean i know what you mean like the stage isn't so elevated to where you can see like the perspective so yeah it's like flat kind of Mm. and so (laughs) you just can't tell like how deep this thing goes maybe that's just because i'm short as fuck and I just can't see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm short too, yeah. so you know, like I I need to get them to give me a box yep. like to stand on. It's like fifty fifty whether or not I'm gonna need the box mm-hmm. like before yeah. I before I play a set. <laughs> yeah, I have it on my rider. I have it on my tech really? rider. Yeah, the decks have to be at a certain height. And oh, I should, I should, I should do that from now on so that it's not like a scramble. You should <laughs> like before. It's, yeah. it's still a scramble because they never check it, <laughs> but it's, it's then also to say, guys, we've asked for this, like, please. Right. Um, it's, right. it's fr- I played a show in Houston this weekend and like they, it was one of these like movable, like it was like a normal movable, like festival table. It wasn't a festival though. It was just in like a pool party and it was so high and it was like blazing sun. And you know, when like the sun's hitting the decks and you can't even see the screen and you're like, Oh, that's the worst. I was like, guys. And then they brought this like plank of wood out and I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not like, I don't want to break my ankle. So, so eventually they like pulled the table down because the table had like hoists on it. And I was like, why didn't you just okay. do that first of all? Like it would have been easier. Seriously. <laughs> Maybe they didn't realize. Short man problems, hey? <laughs> it's it's funny when I I've played a few sets with MK and he's obviously like fucking huge. And <laughs> we've done sets where I've been on a stand and he's not and he's still taller than me. And I'm like, how is this possible? This is just like the genes my parents gave me just destroyed me. <laughs> it's okay. That like you know what? That like your energy and your personality and your talent and all the other good stuff just uh, more than for compensates for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't yeah. even you know what I mean? I like being short. I like being short. Um You know, I I do too. Yeah, I think I think that's pros and cons, I guess. But I think there's yeah. more pros than cons. If I'm yeah, like we can fly under the radar. Exactly. You, know? you can walk in. <laughs> we can... You can walk in a club and not be seen, which is great. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the hair kind of makes it a bit hard. This long, especially when it's colorful, it's like yeah. a bit obvious. But you know, if I were to tie it up, yeah. Yeah, we can fly under the radar. My beard is a bit of a giveaway. Yes, a giveaway as well. <laughs> I remember twenty. Fucking hell, when was this? 2018? Dirty, I think it's 2018 Dirty Bird Camp Out. It was the like the first year at the new place where they're at, I think. And mm-hmm. may, yeah, maybe it was 2018, I think. And um, it was so dusty and it yeah. got really cold at night. And I put like a, a mask over my face, like a bandana over my face. And I put glasses yeah. on like fake like clear clear glasses and nobody knew who i was it was fucking hilarious (laughs) so i like i went up i was talking to justin martin and he like literally didn't he didn't know who i was he was like even with the beard no because i had a mask over my i had a bandana so like it was literally like all people could see was like my eyes um it (laughs) it was fucking hilarious it's it's mad what we what 
how people recognize people, right? I feel yeah. like everyone's got something. That's so true. I guess I guess just the eyes are not necessarily enough. <laughs> I don't have like dark or blue piercing eyes where like people would recognize you from, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um so how did things start with you when because you've been on my radar for a while but it seems like in the last 18 months things have really like popped off for you that sounds like that sounds like a an accurate yeah. <laughs> kind of observation which is cool that you've you've been able to kind of glean that somehow mm. um well I guess, I mean, I can, you know, start from the beginning. Yeah, please do. Um, I think people were really interested in it because I think there's so many people trying to work out how yeah. this whole industry works. And I think especially for, for a female, it's like really interesting um, how your career has kind of like evolved over the years. Especially, yeah. I think, obviously you're going to go into it, but I think I started hearing more and more about you during covid and I'm just kind of interested in what that happened. But let's go back right to the beginning on how it kind of all started. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'll start with like moving to LA because that's so critical to like yeah. all of this. Um, but uh, so I was living on the East Coast um, mm. from about like 2000 and nine yeah 2009 until two, until the very end of 2015 where like, were you living you know Chris, christmas i was living in new jersey actually yeah. super i know it's the super exciting um <laughs> i was living kind of like right across the bridge um from new york city yeah. and i would commute uh and i was working in tech at the time but mm. i would commute by taking this like ferry yeah. um <laughs> across the river and then i had to take like a bus and then the subway just yeah. to get to my office every day it was it was wild um what tech what I, I what type of tech were you in i was in like at the time i was working for like an email marketing company mm. i'm sure uh you know it, somebody listening to this podcast has used their services before, but it's called constant contact. It's, okay. it's a pretty big email yeah. marketing company, yeah. kind of like a MailChimp before MailChimp yeah, came, yeah. came along. Yeah. Um, and so I was a product manager there and, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I relocated to LA, um, early 20, um, mm-hmm. to kind of try my hand at working, um, on the West coast, you know, like I, I heard, heard the good things about tech kind of, bubbling and and, yeah. and 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 blowing up uh on on the west coast besides i mean obviously not san francisco like mm-hmm. it's always been a hub but like yeah. i had heard that in la things were kind of you know starting to pick up and kind of wanted a change of pace change mm-hmm. of scene i wanted warmer weather um i was getting i was getting like bronchitis every year <laughs> and i'm serious like i was like okay one of these years it's just going to turn into pneumonia <laughs> and like <laughs> i like i would I would develop this terrible cough for four months every every winter without fail. Do you um, smoke? On the East Coast. No, I just I just like it's. I think it's genetic. Like my mom and my brother both like yeah. very easily catch colds, and then yeah. once once they start coughing, it's like that's it. It's it's going to go on for four months. <laughs> game over. <laughs> and I was like a game over, and I was like this is not the vibe at all anymore. And mm. so I was like, if I move to a warmer like city, would that change things? Yeah. And it it did. You know, I was like, well, there we go. That's there the correlation. Uh, cold weather is not for me. Yeah. Um, 
And so I moved out to LA for new adventures and a new job. Like I got a new job at a, at a startup in, in, on Abbott Kinney, mm. which is a fun area in Venice. And I was just like ready to live this, this life here. Yeah. And, um, then I made a bunch of new friends here and all of them were super into raving mm. <laughs> and all of them were very much into electronic, uh, like underground dance music. Yeah. And, they kind of just like pulled me into their group and into mm. their world and into their 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 weekend activities, which consisted pretty much solely of like going out to like yeah. raving <laughs> and and going to festivals and stuff like that. And I had never done any of that stuff mm. ever, which is crazy. Like I didn't know really what underground house or techno music was until 2016. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. I just. Uh, yeah <laughs> that's really crazy it's like five it's, six years ago yeah like six years ago yeah, wow, i amazing. listened to yeah this music for have the you first got a dog time. in the background i do can you hear him yeah he's like smashing something up <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. he's like he's, he's just throwing a tantrum in his bed like it's just eating something sorry about that it's all good <laughs> sorry about that if it was a um, human i'd tell him to shut up but if it's a dog we'll let we'll allow it it's all good <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's like, it I doesn't have like I have like noise cancellation on my air. Oh, so you can't so hear like, it. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, so anyway, to kind of fast forward, like I fell just deeply and madly in love with with the scene and yeah. the music. And um, you know, all of 2016, I was like trying to assimilate into this new job, but kind of struggling at work because I'd be tired every day from mm. like having gone out the night before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like literally partying and going to the, whether it was the warehouse or, you know, like exchange or sound or mm. wherever I was just like out seven nights a week. <laughs> Which and is funny I because like, I, I always look at New York as that type of city, but I don't look at LA as that type of city. I like, I look at LA as like, a city where people don't work and no no disrespect to people in LA. <laughs> that was so true. But so it's true. like, I look at New York as like the city that people hustle really hard, work really hard, but they also party just as hard. So the fact that you kind of like took that New York energy to LA is amazing. Yeah, I think because I was like commuting into New Jersey yeah. and like the, fer the ferry cut off at like midnight mm. and... Um, you know, it just was like for me logistically harder to to to, to party like that. Yeah. Um. I actually I actually didn't all that much from like, you know, twenty four to twenty eight. I just I was just grinding and on mm. my you know grinding in text. So, um, I think I had a lot of pent up energy. Yeah. And I, I brought all of that with me to L A. And like you said, I brought that New York, you know, part <laughs> partying hard partying <laughs> energy with me to L A. And I was a mad woman. I was literally, I was out of my mind. Yeah. yeah, it was just, it was like pretty, pretty much unsustainable. And that's the conclusion I arrived at the following year in 2017, when I was like, I'm going to die if I try to keep <laughs> <laughs> this double life up of yeah. like the tech product manager. And this like, you know, it was just, just, just going out all the time, mm. listening to house and techno. So I was like, you know what? I've been grinding for like 10 years straight, you know, straight from college. Yeah. yeah. Um, also if he's like really driving you crazy, I'll kick him out. It's all good. Like I'll let you know if it's too loud. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, and I decided to quit my job. I was yeah. like, 
that, that's it. I'm just going were to. You, um, so we before you, when you quit your job, sorry to butt in, but did you, yeah. were you like, I want to be in music or were you like, I'm just going to quit my job and work it out? It was a bit more of the latter. Um, I think subconsciously, subconsciously I had these like, I, I want to call them maybe fantasies yeah, yeah. about getting into music. But like, I don't think I, I was like able to, to admit that to myself. Mm. I don't know. I just was like, I was like, no, that, yeah. you know, like I, I don't, I was like, I don't know how to do this. I like, mm. I've, I've never touched a pair of decks before. Like this is crazy, mm. you know? Um, but all I knew was that I was not happy going into work every day anymore and doing what I was doing. Yeah. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to be around the scene all the time. I didn't yeah. know in what capacity. I just was like, I need to be around this like all the time. This is, this is the only thing that makes me happy. Um, also. I might have to get you to kick the dog out. <laughs> yes. He has, he, he's got to go. One he's second. going for it. Oh dear. You. You have lost your privileges. Look at him. He's in this bed. What dog is it? Goodbye. He's a little bitty pincher. Oh, right. You say hello to Will. What's up, dude? <laughs> Shut up. You're out. Get You're out. out. You're out. You're out. <laughs> Gotta love it on podcast. I think this is like the third one that's been interrupted by a dog. I'm so sorry. Normally he's so well behaved and quiet, but like everyone says that about the dog. I don't believe it. Never believe it. <laughs> oh, Everyone's so like sorry. that about their child as well. It's like, oh my child's so advanced. He's so they're so they're so good. They sleep well at night and then like until you really get to know the child and it's a little fucking dickhead. <laughs> you got me yeah well I won't I won't I won't say he's advanced he's I mean (laughs) I love him he's just he's he's just not advanced but that's he's great at the alphabet already but yeah um so we were you just quit your job like how does that feel like I've I've had jobs outside of the music industry um but they were never like careers like for me it was always I always knew that I wanted to have a music career so I mm. so every job that I was in, I knew that there was going to be an end to it. Oh my gosh! Okay. So how no, was it? Got chills. How was it for you? Like how how was it for you <laughs> going from like not in living in New York, doing your thing? Like if I'm, I can't put words into your mouth, but I can imagine that you're like <laughs> tech is tech is my life now. Like corporate life is my life. You come to LA you keep the bronchitis in New York <laughs> and then you're like, I need to quit my job, but I don't have any other plan. Like how, what does that feel that first day when you don't go into your work? Just, um, so many, so many emotions, you know, um, like <laughs> I was, I was 30, mm. um, wow. to date myself, yeah. but I, I was 30 when I did, when I made that decision, mm. like I, for my 30th birthday, uh, I got, I got nice and proper drunk yeah. and, it's the, <laughs> and that's the last time I, I, I've been that drunk, you know, but, um, <laughs> no, like, I, like, I think I blacked out half the night and that's the last time I've, I've done that. So yay. Solid <laughs> but, night. um, I, um, I just, 
I was, I was, I was, I remember crying actually to, mm. to, to Mark, who, who's now my manager, but at yeah. the time he was just like a really close friend of mine. And, um, I was like, I'm not happy with my life. Mm. I just turned 30, you know, what do I do? Um, and he sort of, he sort of guided me through that and mm. was like, listen, if you're not happy, like you got to figure out what makes you happy. And yeah. I was like, going to sound makes me happy. Mm. <laughs> you know, being around you guys and this music and the scene makes me happy. And he was like, well, like, do you want to do this? Mm. You know, it is it like, it, he's like, is that what, is that what's inside of you? You know, like, is, yeah. is, is that really what, what, you know, maybe. And I was like, maybe. I think so, but I can't, I'm 30, you know, like this, it's, it's insane. It's impossible. I can't, I know there's no way my, my life's over. Mm. <laughs> so ridiculous. And, um, yeah, but I, I want to butt in cause it's society tells you that. And it's so it true. Does. It's so true that like I even can have it in my head as well. And I've got friends. Like I was literally right before this conversation, I was talking to one of my friends she works like in a tiny little city in America and like wants to leave and wants to go to a, like a bigger city and go do bigger things in, in her career. Yeah. But like society, she's like, I'm too old. She's like 25. And oh, I'm like, Oh my God. But like, what? <laughs> I know, but I'm like, society tells you these things that you have to do one thing and you have to, and, and you can't change your life. Like, you can start a new career at 60 and be the most successful person in the world. But also, so what what is it about being successful or is it about being happy? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk real. Like, when you quit your job and you were like, okay, I'm not doing anything now, but I've got something <laughs> that I want to work out on how to make my life happier. Like you weren't chasing money. No, I ran away from all the money I was making. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I went the opposite yeah. direction of money. <laughs> but I guess the, also the question is, how long did it take you to do that? How, lo- how many years of your life did it take you to realize that making money, doing something you don't love is not worth making the money. Oh, yeah, gosh. Well, okay. So to kind of answer that, I, I did want to quickly just circle back to the thing that you had said earlier that I was like, oh my God, you gave yeah. me chills. <laughs> because because the way you said it, that just like resonated so hard with me because that's how I felt my whole life. And you had said that you always knew, no matter what other jobs you're in, that like, there was an expiration date for mm. each of those things. Like yeah. you were never like in, in those other things. Cause yeah. like your real career to you was your music career. Yeah. And I, I always felt that way, except I hadn't had like, I guess the balls to mm. admit that the other thing that I wanted was the music career. Yeah. So like I was, I have, I had been one foot in one foot out of every job I'd ever had. Mm. And, and in the back of my mind, it was always like this fantasy of like, Oh, if I didn't have to do this, I'd be doing music, except like I had never really taken the, you know, the yeah. steps to be doing the music. I just didn't want to ever really be committed to those other jobs because I never wanted to like, maybe like let go of that fantasy. I don't know how to explain it. So, but like, so what was, what was keeping you there? What was keeping you? I, I'm trying to dig a little deeper for other people that are in that situation right now. Yeah. It's like, My, uh, yeah. Is it, is it a, family thing is it yes. uh, yeah 
Yeah. I mean, that was a huge part of it. It was like, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm South Korean. Yeah. I come from, you know, pretty traditional parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like I just didn't want to disappoint them. Mm. Like I had, I had been a straight A student my whole life. They had high yeah. hopes for me to, uh, I went to a good college. They yeah. had high hopes for me to become like a lawyer, maybe get into finance, like yeah. in my father's footsteps, you know, that just, just, just anything besides music. <laughs> like, the music <laughs> Literally, they were like, just please anything but music. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I always found that also so kind of like confusing and unfair in a way because my whole life, my like they had also encouraged me to do music mm. you know like my mom my mom gave me piano lessons yeah. like i was i was allowed to you know do choir and musical theater my whole life and mm. and jazz band and it was like but like i guess the tacit understanding was that those things were only un, like like supposed to be a means of getting me into the best college possible. Ah, uh, okay. So that's so that the resume, the yeah. high school resume, you know, looked good mm. for for that. And then once college was over, the idea was that it was like, all right, like that's the fun and games are over. Yeah. You know, but like you you can't like do that to someone. <laughs> like I feel you can't tell someone, you know, yes, please attach your you know your whole identity growing up to mm. this thing. But like when you turn twenty one, it's got to go. Yeah. Like. You can't like shut that off, you know. It's all so of a sudden, yeah. Just it's, it's so strange to me. Uh, well, it's not strange. I totally understand it, and I don't know if I respect it, but I understand it. But yes, I, it's a conversation that I have with so many people, and it's not necessarily just in the in in like Korean, Chinese, Japanese. <laughs> Like in the UK, it's like hugely in like the Pakistani and Indian. It's pretty much mm. any immigrant that comes to yes. the, the the West, I guess. Absolutely. And, which I understand they come from somewhere less fortunate than what yeah. we are in the in the UK or America or Canada, and then they want their kids to have the best possible life, and it's totally. the best possible life in their eyes is become a doctor or work in tech or something like that. Totally. I mean, they, you know, our parents and that generation come from more of a scarcity mindset, which mm -hmm. is so understandable based mm. on what they went through. Totally. And, you know, from the, from their experience, um, you know, the, the, the way to combat scarcity is, well, obviously is to make money. Yeah. And there's just a handful of jobs that, that, that you know, they've seen around them that uh, will give you that yeah you know well that will give you that that money will give you steady money will mm. give you dependable income yeah. and lots of it and that's you know that's success for them and and that's that's great i mean that and that's what allowed you know us to have totally. the freedoms that, yeah. that they never did but it's hard for them to to make that switch of like okay i worked my ass off so that mm. my kid could have freedoms <clears throat> yeah and I've got to be open to whatever freedoms they want to now explore. Right. Yeah. Like I can, it's, it's hard for them because they're like, what are you doing? Mm. This is, this seems dangerous or, you know, but. Well, there's a, anyway, there's, there's a, there's a, there's also a level of control, I think. Yeah. Because America's a very expensive place to live generally. Oh, so expensive. And like 
universities are expensive and everything's like, and i i do find oh, don't even get get us started on that exactly and i but i do find like and it's the same in the uk i would say not it's nowhere near as expensive but like with p- parents kind of paying for their kids to kind of live and to kind of have a have a, a standard of living but they also hold that control over the over their kids and i'm not saying that's you in your situation but i think i see it a lot whereas like if the if you as a as a human being being the the child and your parents are trying to control like go and do your own thing and prove that you don't need their financial support right because yeah that's kind of the only way that you yeah Maybe I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I didn't experience that. So I think like, what what would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just. I mean, what what you described is 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 you know very much like similar to the to my situation. Mm. Like um, I was very fortunate, you know, in that my parents were able to put me through college, yeah. And, and and through private university, which yeah. is 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 not cheap, yeah. and I'm very thankful for that. But as a result, you know, there was always this expectation of like, mm. well, we put you through college. Are you like going to do nothing with with yeah. this expensive degree that that we got you? You know, um, and yeah, I, you know, I don't want to say that they held it over my head in some kind of like toxic way, no. but uh, but but you know, there was there was always this understanding that like, you know, you, like you you were very fortunate to have had this experience and you have this amazing degree. Like, please don't, please don't waste it. let it go to waste. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, 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 and that was very important to me too, because totally. like I was very, you know, grateful to my parents. And so that was, that was the lifelong struggle. That was what kept me in these other jobs. And yeah. that's what, you know, because I was like, can't waste this degree. Can't waste this degree. Mm. You know, can't let them down. Can't, can't disrespect them, you know? Yeah. I don't know about you, but for me is like a huge part of me growing up is wanting to make my parents proud of me as well. And I think like wanting to make your parents proud sometimes means that you have to do what they want you to do, which. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost always means you have to do what they want you to do Um, until you can kind of like shift their perspective somehow. Right. And so like, eventually that's what I was able to do with this DJing thing. Um, but it took time and it took like going up against them in a way and kind of like defending myself. And, 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 and the initial conversations were like not pleasant, you know, like it was, those conversations were rough. Like I'd like that, you know, some tears were shed on both sides. Like it was a very like emotional thing for some reason to discuss my music career so was it a discussion where you had with them beforehand or did you quit and were like i'm gonna deal with it after (laughs) after i've quit that like kind of like ask for do and then ask for forgiveness later like yeah um and like initially so i had quit in 2017 and that whole year um i basically kind of i feel bad but i kind of strung my parents along like the Mm. whole year like i was like yeah i'm interviewing you know i'm interviewing i I was not interviewing well i was maybe interviewing initially like in the first six months after quitting like i had a couple and i think like i did that even for myself to feel like 
just in case, you know, like mm-hmm. if I wanted to go back, I want to like, you know, have one foot still there yeah. and stay fresh on like, you know, my interview game and whatnot. And so like, you know, my mom would check in how the interview is going. And for the first six months, you know, I had, a, I had a couple and I, I would update her on how they went, but you know, I never put enough effort into them really where I, it's like, I made sure that like, I wouldn't get the job if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> like, like I put like just enough effort into like, you know, not be embarrassing in the interview, but yeah. like, I definitely didn't go above and beyond to be like that I'm the this candidate that you yeah, need. Yeah. Cause like, I didn't really want the job. Yeah. And so like, I was like, what? I, after six months of this, I was like, what am I doing? This mm. is like, this is insane to, to be interviewing when you don't want the job and to keep doing this. Just, I was like, this charade is like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know like what kind of strange loop I've like gotten myself into, but this is not, this is not it. And then, you know, a year in my mom is like, okay, like, is there something wrong with you? Like mm-hmm. that no one wants to hire you. Like it's been a year of alleged interviewing and like you haven't gotten a new job yet. And I like I that it lasted a year. <laughs> like that's, well, so my pa- <laughs> that's pretty solid. <laughs> it's very solid. Yeah. I, my parents live in Korea still. Uh, and okay. So like, okay. they're so far away that I yeah. think that like that, it just makes it easier to kind of like yeah, keep yeah. that distance, you know, but, um, Eventually I had to be like, all right, look, guys, I'm, I'm really sorry, but like, I'm just, I'm just like not going back to work. Mm. And they were like, what do you mean? You're not going back to work. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> like, are you retired? Is there, you know, some <laughs> retirement fund that like we don't know about? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm, I, I've actually been working very hard. I just like, haven't told you what I've been working on and yeah. it's not, it's not going to look like me in an office ever yeah. again. And um, they're like, well, what have you been working on? Um, and I was like, I've been learning how to, I've been learning how to DJ. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the start of a, of a series of not so pleasant conversations. Um, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they put the phone down from you on that first conversation <laughs> in, in their house that like, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, the two of them for sure, like, were just distraught, like, all night, mm. you know, just, <laughs> like, going like going in on me together. <laughs> just, what, a, like, how, like, like, how, why do we have a daughter like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, how, how did she, like, how, how did she, from, 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 from us, like, how did we birth <laughs> this, like, rebellious, mm. like, crazy person? Like, because, like, my mom is so straight edged, you yeah. know, she's like probably never gotten in trouble for anything in her life. Mm. Um, so me turning out this way has probably just, it probably just still is such a mystery to them. But yeah. now, now they're now now they're very excited for me and they're Good. happy. I think it's, yeah, it takes time, right? For some people. And it does. I, I like that they, they're supportive now because i mean yeah now my mom's the cutest like now now she like knows other djs by name and she's like oh my god like the other week she was like i forget what like what like marshmallow came up for some reason and she was like oh like he played at the brooklyn mirage the weekend before you did and i was like what (laughs) i was like how do you know that i don't even even know who marshmallow is she's like oh like i have my ways she's like i know (laughs) I was like, okay, mom. She's, I was like, she's like, you know, he's the guy with like the mask, like the white, like thing over his head. I was like, oh my gosh, she's not playing. She doesn't know who he is. She's gone in. Mind blown. Now when, when she accepted it, she, she went in. 
That's the thing with her is once she is accepting of something, she's like, she goes, like, she does the deepest dive into yeah. it of, of anybody. <laughs> Which I love. I love that. How does that make you feel? Oh, my gosh. It's just so, there's no words. Yeah. There's no words for how good that makes me feel. And, like, so I want to say that, like, I finally sensed that they were coming around and had like given me their blessing in 2019. So mm. like right after I played with you in, in option four yeah. at sound the next month, I flew out to Korea to play at ultra Korea. Mm. And that was the first time I played at a festival. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I get to bring my parents to like oh, wow. my first festival gig yeah. ever. Um, and that was the turning point for all of it. Like, wow. like, them seeing they had never seen me dj before you know and like them seeing me play on the stage at this like festival i think was just very very eye-opening for mm. them um like i think they pictured what we do to just be like us playing music in like very very seedy like sketchy <laughs> like venues with like lots of like illicit things going on around us which like only that's 80 not, that's, that's only 80 percent of the time <laughs> yeah i'm like mom don't worry it's only 90 percent. <laughs> um but like you know it's first of all it's a daytime festival and like you know like people are are are, are dressed all nice and like it's in korea in the daytime and i don't know i think they just it was just very different from what they pictured mm. they were like oh this is nice oh, people like do this in the daytime. Mm. It's not just like, you know, 4 a.m. and some like really sketchy <laughs> part of like the world. They were like, oh, oh, and like there's production value here. Yeah. And like they were they were just like, oh, this is maybe not what we expected mm. in a good way. And um, that was probably a good that, one to I, take them to. Exactly. And I've never taken them really like anywhere else. <laughs> like <laughs> that was it. Like that's all they needed, you know, but um, they, I, I could tell that there was like just a huge shift after that. And like, I felt like I had their blessing. And like, I think that is what that sort of like takes us into kind of the momentum, you know, that, that you feel that you said like you've noticed in the last year and a half, like, mm. I feel like I just got like kind of this like like the wind underneath my my wings or whatever yeah, yeah. like after after I felt that I had gotten my parents blessing yeah. it just like changed everything for me it made me feel like okay like I can I can I can do this career mm. and I don't that doesn't have to be like an expiration date on this because like my parents aren't just like counting down the days for me to like fail or like yeah. counting down the days for me to like tell them that like all right I'm like putting the hobby away you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. So then when that happened in 2019 and you got back to LA, what was the kind of plan of action? Was there a plan of action or were you just rolling with it? I was just rolling with it. Yeah. And like, you know, in a lot of ways, my career has just kind of been that. Like, mm. I've always had a vision of a loose vision of, of like the sound I'm trying to make yeah. and where I kind of where I, I want to see myself in the long run. But as far as like the process of executing on that, yeah. I've kind of just been rolling with things. Mm. And like, I'm like, as long as I'm making music I want to make and just being myself and yeah. being nice to people along the way and having fun, I feel like that will take me where I'm meant to go. Yeah. Right. Like, like if you're being yourself the entire way of the journey, then like you can only end up where you're supposed to because like you're being you. So I think that's sorry to buy in, but I think that's like a 
without sounding condescending because this isn't condescending at all it's a compliment but it's like one of the most mature things uh somebody can say at such an early point in their career and (laughs) like i don't think (coughs) maybe because you're older then you're not a 21 year old trying to work out who you are I think, no, like I've lived life. Mm, you've lived a life. You've earned money. You've traveled. You're from a different country. You you have a lot of life, yeah. Which I think is so important for people to to experience and to kind of find themselves. But I think you going in with that attitude is like, I wish I knew that like at that early on, if you know what I mean. Because it, it takes so long yeah. for anyone to get there, and for you to be realistically a couple years into your music career and know that like that's gold mine i appreciate that i really appreciate that but like you said i think like i think that just stems from like having had a working career yeah up until this point you know like i think what's hard okay let's put it this way i can't imagine having a like a music career specifically where you know it's so fragile mm a lot of the time and it's so like different from a lot of other careers in that like well you're it's it's creative you're you know like you're putting yourself out on the line and you're putting you know your your art and your output and your personality and you know just yourself out for for everyone to judge basically Mm. and 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 that's the career versus like I don't know like working in tech for example right yeah. like it's, it's it's a very different kind of career and so i can't imagine having your self-discovery journey like coincide with like starting a music career yeah. meaning like i i don't think i would have survived being in my 20s trying to start like this yeah, music yeah. career you know what i mean like i i had i was able to do my self-discovery and kind of all that like i think in a less vulnerable kind of career mm. so like I was able to sort sort of sort that all out and then arrive at, at music at a much more mature place in my life. I, no, think. I love that. How did you, how did you deal with the rejection of the music industry when you first started or now? Because I feel like there's so much rejection in this music industry, whether that's music, like just generally I was, I was talking to uh, Born Dirty the other day and he's like one of my best mates we talk for hours every day and we were just like this industry is 90 percent rejection and 10 percent people liking what you do and whether that's rejection from somebody else whether that rejection from you whether that rejection is from an agent a manager a promoter a club a fan like there's more for me there's more no's than yeses how does that bide from like how did you deal with that because i don't know do you get that in the tech world when you're working in corporations because it's you're not a decision maker yeah you're not a decision maker right like you're not as much i mean i will say like so being being a product manager specifically like in that role and and particularly when you're in that role at like a startup where like the the, the company's smaller and like the, the degrees of separation between you and the CEO are like sometimes mm. zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
there's a fair bit of that because yeah. like I had I had to work very closely with the CEOs of these startups and so like I'd be presenting them things and th- there was a lot of no's yeah. <laughs> but um so to kind of back up for one for one second before I worked in tech I actually did work in music okay for two years but I worked on the business side of things so mm. like one of my first jobs out of college, I was a talent management assistant in New York City okay. for like a management and publishing company that managed and looked after uh, pop artists, hip hop yeah. artists. Um, so, so very different from like the dance music world. Mm. But like, you know, one of the big clients that comes to mind that we had at the time was CeeLo Green. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this was, this was in like from two thousand and like eleven. 2010 to 12 mm. so that's when i was with him and um that was right when he was popping off uh oh popping off yeah. for like because he had just won the grammy for fuck you yeah. and which was a massive song and then um he it, you know it was right before he, and as he became a judge on the voice yeah like the, te- the team that i was working for was responsible for putting him on that show okay and so like i ha- i remember like being on like conference calls with mark burnett who was the producer yeah. you know of that show and survivor and you know legend yeah. uh, of on television but um just listening in on those initial conversations then that the pitch that he was giving us on mm. like why this show was going to be like cooler than american idol and um <laughs> why C- why CeeLo should be on it they were describing like the, the technology of the cameras that they were going to use in this boxing ring and i was just like what the hell is this this yeah. sounds in this is a singing contest <laughs> show like what and i couldn't visualize it but like now we know yeah. now we've come to know what that what how that all worked out and he was not kidding like they really mm. I really, I don't know. Anyway, so like I have memories of this and um, being on the business side of, of music. And um, I want to say like weirdly, I experienced, I feel like most of the rejection in my life, at least in, in my adult life in that job. Like, mm. so all the while, as I was working by day as a talent management assistant, like once again, like deep down, I wanted to be writing music like for myself and I wanted to be an artist Mm. and I didn't know in what capacity I knew I didn't want to be a pop star. Like that didn't seem appealing to me. Um, but like, but I loved music. I did music my whole life and Mm. I thought, okay, well maybe I don't need to be forward facing, but like, I want to become like a killer songwriter and I want to be writing top lines for like Katy Perry and Rihanna and artists like that. And maybe, maybe I want to like, you know, get signed to like a publishing company like with Dr. Luke at the time or, or something like that. Mm. So I'd be like, you know, answering phone calls and doing my assistant stuff at, at, in, at, by day and then like going home and like writing music on GarageBand by yeah, myself, yeah. Um, writing demos and top mm. line ideas and whatnot. And like eventually I started to like try and show some of these ideas to to my to the A&Rs ah, okay. at, my, at my company. And like, of course, they were just like, they just like barely gave me the time of day. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that experience is like universal to like everyone or if it was just kind of like the people at my company that I worked for kind of had that vibe. But like they were not very encouraging at all. I think it was a lot of I think it is at the beginning of everyone's career, unless you've had like something that's popped off super early and kind of like you've had that let's be honest luck at the beginning of your career like i think everyone's just like who the fuck's this person totally totally and it just it just was extra hurtful because i was like you know i work with you guys yeah. like it, it shouldn't be like who the fuck's this person yeah. you know like i i'm i'm part of the team um but there was very much this attitude of like just stay 
in your lane just stay in your lane and like yeah and um and I just kept pushing, you know, because I wasn't going to give up that easily. And so, like, I tried to um, show them my value, you know, as an A&R. Yeah. And, and I tried to show them, like, you know, that I have a good ear in other ways. And so, like, I remember I brought a couple acts to the company and um, one in particular they went, like, absolutely crazy for. And they wanted yeah. to sign them, like, right on the spot. And um, it was a group that I had, like two of the members or three of the members of the group I had gone to college with and they had formed this band Mm. and um, they were called Delta Ray. Mm. And I think they had just signed on with like Warner brothers records, Mm. but they needed uh, management or something like that. And so, or publishing, I forget which one. So I brought them into the company and the company went crazy for them immediately wanted to sign them was courting them hardcore. And they ended up going with someone else. But like, I thought, you know, after something like that, that maybe they'd be like, all right, you know, she's got a great ear, you know, and that they would take me a little more seriously. But like, no, like once that, once that was over, it was back to like, it was like nothing had ever happened, you know, back to business, um, back to business. And so I feel like, I feel like it might be different nowadays. I hope so. I really hope so. Because that was like a really traumatizing kind of like deflating experience, uh, straight out of college to, to be in music and, and feel that be made to feel that way, you know? And, um, I think I, I, I agree with you, but I, on counter to that, I think it's really healthy to a certain extent, because I think it like, for me, if, if everyone in my life or in my career especially music career had had said yes from day one Mm, i mm. wouldn't be where i'm at i'd be somewhere very different and my music would be something very different and i remember for me like i quit djing and writing music for like six months and like tried to open a nightclub because i was so fed up with writing music because i i was at the point where i wrote a record that everyone was playing Jamie Jones, MK, Eats Everything, Seth Troxler. And that was when they were all like huge, like when they just like got massive. And they were all playing this record of mine. And I was like, damn, Jamie's playing it. I need to write music that works for Hot Creations, which completely fucked my head because I was like, I now need to go make Hot Creations record. Not thinking, well, Jamie's just playing the record that I've made. Like that's me. Totally. It's not like, yes, but, I know. Oh, and, and gosh, then, I know. <laughs> and then I spent six months trying to write records for Hot Creations, and him turning down every record because it wasn't what, what he, it wasn't me. So then I was like, I give up. But if if I didn't go through that, would I be writing the records I write today? Would I be the person who I am mm. today? Like I've, mm. I think rejections. So it's so rough. Like I get it still now. Like, like I'll ask people to do a remix of a record and they say no, and I'm like, fuck. Like <laughs> it's or and but I'm also the person of rejection as well. Like people are asking sure. me and I say no. Like sure, people send me records and be like, do, do you want to sign it? No. Like, but I think it's really important because I I, I think it makes you who you are as a as an artist. Um, Absolutely. You're so right. You're so right. And, you know, in hindsight, I've processed that, you know, that value from that time. 
Um, but but like you know, when you're 23, it's rough. Just starting it's out, it's rough. rough. And and you know, I hadn't yet even gone on my self discovery journey yet either. So like, I had a lot of like insecurities and and things. I was just a very fragile, emotion, totally. emotionally fragile woman yeah. back then, or young woman. Yeah. And so it was a lot to take, you know. And um, but so anyway, I, I felt like. I felt like that period of my life was just full of rejection. And so to fast forward to now, to answer your question about like, how do I deal with rejection now? You know, I don't want to sound, I don't, I hope this doesn't come off it's sort of any kind of way, but I feel like, I, I almost feel like I paid so much of my like rejection dues mm, <laughs> back then yeah. that like, I feel like I face a lot less of it now. Yeah. Like, and you know, I'm, I, I don't, I'm, a very like spiritual person in the sense that like, I believe a lot in like the universe and energy and things like that and karma and mm. whatnot. And I look for signs from the universe always to kind of like validate, like, am I moving in the right direction? Yeah. You know, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint, well, what are those signs? Like mm. they may take different forms and sometimes it's a feeling, but like, for example, I felt very early on that like, once I really got going with, with this music stuff that it had, it was like green light after green light, mm. you know, that feeling when you're driving and it's like every light's a green light and you're like, yeah. wow, I'm really like flying today. And that's the best analogy that I can give in terms of how my music career felt like from day one, kind of. Mm. And I just took that as the ultimate sign from the universe. Like, all right, it's giving me green light it's after time. green light. Like, I'm not going to question this. I just got to keep going. Yeah. I love and that. I and, and it was so different from any other time ever in, in my working life. Like even in tech, I experienced so many more red lights, mm. so many more yellow lights. Like there were so many jobs in tech that I didn't get. I tried to get a job at Spotify, you know, on the tech side so many times. You don't know how many times I applied for this job, that job, never. I, yeah. I, I, they wouldn't even give me an interview, you know. Um, it was, what's funny is I, I, I also wanted to work at SoundCloud at one point, you know, mm. this is back in 2013. And like, I met with some of like the senior engineers in the New York office and all that. And like, it was, you know, in the end, it was like, no, you're not experienced enough. Mm. And, and now like, I've got a great relationship with SoundCloud, um, like as an artist. And it's just like, it's just crazy because I think back to like, like I remember living life back then and thinking, I guess this is just life. Like, I guess yeah. life is just a series of like frustrating starts and stops, more stops than starts. And like, I guess this is just life, you mm -hmm. know? And it wasn't until I went down this path in music that I was like, holy shit, like life can feel this way. Like it can just feel like green light after green light yeah. and i had never felt that in my life ever and i'm getting emotional now but like it's amazing to like, hear that though because like it <clears throat> i've not really spoke to many people on the podcast where their whole goal in that where it wasn't their whole goal in their life to become a dj or a producer or an athlete mm. or a chef it was always that mm. was their one goal and I think deep down inside, you would happily say that that was your goal, but you just you just it hadn't was. accepted it. But I think yeah. I I haven't also haven't spoke to people on the podcast that have gone through the corporate life for as long as you did, and then came out of it. And the way you're coming at the industry is so refreshing because you're not jaded. 
maybe that's not the right word. It feels like you're just loving every minute of it, <laughs> which is so nice to hear because it's so easy for us. I don't know. I don't know, but like I, I've had very, very brief conversations with you in a nightclub. We haven't ever really yeah. properly spoke, but there's something about it where which I haven't experienced in a long time where someone just seems super happy with where they're at in life. And, yeah. and I think it's so easy nowadays for us to, I can only speak for myself, but it's easy for me to be very kind of not necessarily grateful of where I'm at. I'm, I'm a very great, oh, yeah, I'm a very grateful person. And I, I know that I'm very lucky with where I've got and, and what I've got. But for me, it's like always what's next, what's next, what's next. Where for you, for me, when I'm talking to you, it feels like I know there's that drive. I 100% know there's that, that drive because you wouldn't be <laughs> where you're at. Talk to, talk to Mark. He's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> but it just, it just feels like everything's like seems to be working out in a way where that you didn't ever expect you were ever going to have and that's insane I, yeah I, yeah i mean i don't want to say like you know never expected because obviously you know uh if i didn't think that i could get where i want to get i don't think i would have started mm, you know i'm a yeah. very sort of like intense person that way yeah, yeah. like if i'm going to do something i want to like i'm competitive but like with myself mm. you know but that said even though I had confidence in myself that I could figure it out, like, you're right. Like, you know, you still don't know on what timeline these things are going to yeah. work out for you or, or what it's going to look like when it arrives. And like, all of this has just taken me by a lot of surprise. And, um, you know, to circle back again to, to something that you had said earlier about, you noticed that it was during the pandemic that, mm -hmm. you know, it seemed like I kind of started popping up more or, or yeah. my name started coming up more. And, and you know, the correlation there is is very much tied to like that's when i started putting out music yeah. so like i put out my first original music in 2020 um how was that so i guess it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> uh, i just so, sometimes when i share like my story i'm like i hope this doesn't just sound like like the <laughs> just like the most like noob <laughs> stuff ever <laughs> But like, okay, I have to share with you this story because like, and I feel comfortable to share with you and I want, I want people to know, I want you to know that like, you know, it can be like this, you know, that not everything is this like super, I don't know, like controlled thing. Mm. Right. But like, so I started learning how to produce in 2018 and like from like June to October, I took some classes yeah. and, um, so like, that's the first time I ever used Ableton. And then 2019, you know, I, I was still sort of trying to like hone my skills, but like by then I was still only like a year into producing, you know, yeah. very, very rough. And, um, I had all these like little demos and ideas that I'd started. Um, and then the pandemic hit and like for the first three months, I was just like not motivated to do anything. I mean, I was just in yeah. shock, you know? So like, I want to say that like right away, as soon as I realized I had free time that I was doing nothing but producing music, but like, that's not true. Mm. You know, I was really just like crying in a corner for like three months. <laughs> um, but finally in like April or so, um, Yato had messaged me and was like, 
hey, like, do you have any like music laying around that like mm-hmm. you'd want to share? And I'm thinking, oh man, like I don't have like anything that I've like produced this year. Like, like if I'm going to show them anything, it's going to be like stuff that I made like in 2019. Yeah. And then I was like, also so naive, like to your point about, you know, I'm like, just like, I seem so fresh at all this. Like I, I had never really been asked by anyone for demos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, honestly. And like, he didn't say, Hey, do you have demos for my label? You know what yeah. I mean? Like he just was like, Hey, like, do you have any music? Like you'd want to like share, like for mm. me to listen to, it was like something super cash, so casual that I like, didn't understand what he was asking for and so I was thinking the whole time oh how nice of him like as a mentor to like offer to like <laughs> you know like listen to like my shitty like tracks yeah. and like give me some like you know feedback yeah. right like that's that's how I was seeing this so I was like okay what are like the least embarrassing things that I could like show him you know so I put together the SoundCloud link of like a couple things and I'm like here like this is sort of like what I've been working on like super rough like but this is I don't know this is just like this is who I am right now yeah (laughs) um thanks for listening you know and then you know he listens and um I'm I'm shocked that he even listened I don't know why I I thought he was just being polite to, to ask and then um he gets back to me the next day and is like cool cool yeah like these are these these were nice like um you know, very rough, very raw. <laughs> and I'm like, here it is. Here's that. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's, <laughs> he's like, these are very rough and very raw, but in the rawness, I do hear, I, I do hear you. And it's very interesting. And I like that, but like, you know, nice, nice work. I was like, okay. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's it's cool feedback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He let, he, he let me down gently. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, that's as, that's as well as it could have gone. And I'm like, all right, well, back to like, back to, to making more raw music, like that has me in it. Like I, I, Mm. that really resonated with me. And then the next day he's like, so I actually like sat on these again overnight and I like shared them with my team and like, everyone agrees that these are like really dope actually. Like what's the status on them? And I'm just like, oh, what does he mean by status? (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, literally I was like, um, I was like, oh, well, they're like, obviously not like finished, but like, I'm still working on them. Like, that's the status. <laughs> and he's like, oh, great. So like, they're not signed anywhere. And I'm like, signed anywhere. Like, it was like, absolutely not. Like, what? Like, the status is that these are not done. And I'm like, still working <laughs> on them. And he's like, great. Well, like, I'd like to take them if like, they're not going anywhere else. And I was like, like, take them like for your label. He's like, yes, I would like to sign these like to my that's label. Amazing. And I was like, what? It, like, I couldn't even process. Because you have to, like, you have to understand where my mind was at. Like, yeah, I thought I was yeah. just, like, doing show and tell with Yado. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's also one of the nicest guys as well. He's, like, super nice. So, so nice. Yeah. I mean, all of you guys, you're super nice. We try. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that's how I got, you know, my first EP out with, with odd one out. And that's mad. (laughs) And that's kind of just like how it's gone for me. Like similarly, you know, I sent two records to Danny Howard, Mm. just two. I picked two out that, you know, I had, I had had this fascination with his label for a bit. So like that thing with Yotto happened. And then like two months later, three months later, I had the idea to like try and send some music to Danny 
and I picked out just two of my music. And honestly, I pretty much only had like four other tracks total that I'd ever made. Mm. So like from a remaining library of like five or six ideas, because Yato had just taken two, right? Like I had like five viable ideas. stealing all your music. (laughs) (laughs) So like literally at this point, I have like all of seven tracks I've ever like started or made in my entire catalog. And I had two that I was like, I feel like Danny could maybe be into these. And Mm. these sound like they could maybe work for like nothing else matters. And I just had this fascination with that label because I listened to all this stuff and I really liked it. And like, I thought maybe these two tracks could fit in. And so I had them sent over to to him and like, we didn't hear back for a couple of months, but like we kept pushing and just being like, Hey, has he listened? Has he listened? And finally someone on his team got him to listen. And then right away he would like, once he listened, like, I think within like the next day or two, he was like, what is, what's the status on these? But this time like, I was like, <laughs> I, I know, I know what that means. <laughs> now I know what that question means. And we were like, um, well, we'd like to sign them with your label if you're interested. Yeah. And he was like, yes. He was like, yes. And he was like, actually, these would fit perfect on the label right now because every we're in lockdown and I'm like shifting the focus of my label to be like, at home yeah. kind of dance music, mm. at home listening versus club music. Yeah. And that was just so like the timing of that was just luck for me, you mm. know? Like if so basically if I had sent him these tracks now, he may not have signed them because yeah. he'd be, he might have been like, these yeah. aren't clubby enough. Yeah. So there's just like I honestly feel that aside from <laughs> the emotional damages that that the pandemic caused and and some of the financial havoc that it wreaked in terms of my music career as an artist it it was like i benefited so heavily Mm. from it like people yeah people who wouldn't like who who wouldn't have had the time to like listen to my demos had the time to listen to my demos you know and i think is i think i i think this is keeps on coming up in conversations that as there's been a lot of artists that it's it screwed over and kind of ended the careers, but I'm a firm believer of when something ends, something new happens. And because that energy doesn't, it's all energy, right? Yeah. And energy never disappears. It just gets transferred. Yeah, totally. And I think the pandemic allowed people to work out who they are because yeah. we were just along, we were alone for so long, just twiddling our thumbs. And I think a lot of people had to process things. A lot of people had to kind of change and, and evolve and kind of rework out what's, what's happened. This, the podcast came out of the pandemic, like like a lot of things, even for me, like I released a lot of music. It was weird. I started my label in 2020. The first record, the the first record came out in January. And then my biggest record came out in April when we were, when we were locked down. And it's, it's weird how it all kind of happened, but I think there's been a lot of artists that I've spoken to that have came out of the pandemic purely because it was a time where people had more time and absolutely could, could really refocus themselves. And I think, absolutely. Like I was able to do a bunch of really cool collabs with artists who would otherwise probably have been running around touring and not able to sit down and and make a song with me. Like, you know, Josh Butler comes to mind, book of shade come to mind. Like, you know, these guys are normally 
very busy, you yeah. know, touring and playing playing gigs. And all of a sudden, they had time on their hands to to make more music, and they were down to to collaborate with with more vocalists and, yeah. and 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 make that kind of music. And I I directly benefited from that. I love both those records that you put out, the Josh Butler and the Booker Show um, records. Thank are great. you, I love them. Um, thank you. When you, what was your like first record that you were like, damn, this record's doing well. Um, so they've all so done well. I'm weird, not, but they've all, sorry to buy They've all done well, but I'm like, I feel like as a, there's an, as an artist, there's a time where you're like, damn, this is doing something. <laughs> um, I guess like, I guess I, I can speak to like the one that f of my catalog of like my solo catalog. So, you know, a track that isn't like a collab or anything, yeah. like the one that has like the most streams right now. Mm. And like, <laughs> it's, it's one of the first songs like I, I ever wrote as so me. And it's a song that I wrote sort of so randomly, mm. like I wrote this thing right before the pandemic started. Um, and I'll, to explain the inspiration for it, um, I had just played a show with Yotto at Sound. Mm. Oh, so actually, I had opened for him at the Fonda, and then also, then ran over and opened uh, his after party at Sound. Yeah. And um, he was so kind that to like do a back to back with me that night, mm. like before he hopped on. And you know, I was just like, wow, like I had never even done like a public B two B before. Yeah. So my first public B two B was with Yotto, and I was like losing my mind. And I um, had met all kinds of cool people backstage that night. And one of the people that I had met was um, this woman who, at the time, she was Zed's marketing manager. She came right up to me and was like. I really loved your set, by the way. Like I work for Zed and I was like, holy shit, like what? <laughs> okay. Just drop that one you in know, there. Just drop that, yeah. And uh, she was like, so let's, you know, I don't know, like let's stay in touch. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, let's, you know. And I went home that night just buzzing and so inspired. And I was like, could I write like a dance pop song to like show to Zed? And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, like, could I, could I do that? It's like, is that something I even want to do as an artist? I wasn't sure. I'm like still figuring it out, but I was like, I was like, let's write a demo for Zed. Mm. That was like the impetus for this thing. So I was like, it doesn't have to be a club track per se, but like, you know, something that he would write with like a Marin Morris or something like that, mm. you know? Um, so I went home, I went on Ableton, like the next day after this like night that I was coming off of. And I wrote this like little pop song, not a club song at all. It's like 108 or 110 BPM, yeah. you know? And just wrote this thing and the idea was to like send it to her and have her maybe like show Zed and see like if he I likes it yeah, yeah yeah if he if he liked it if something could come of it and I don't know if that ever happened but um I ended up showing the song to a couple friends and one of them was like you should show this to Astral Works mm. like this is this is good and I was like really like show it to the labels he's like yeah like I think I think you should show this to them and um we did and they ended up wanting to sign it and I was like <laughs> what what <laughs> like it's just like with so many of the of, of the things in my life i just was like what's going on um and so that's one you yeah me, right yeah and so like it was just i i just didn't really know like what this song was gonna do because it didn't sound like anything else that i've put out it's mm. not a club record i didn't really know like where it could even be played i i only for the first time ever played it out at day trip festival last weekend like I've never played this song out because like you can't mix into it. You can only like close with it yeah. or open with it. Like 
it's just not, you can't, I just, I haven't figured out as a DJ how I go from like 125 to just gracefully mixing into like 108 (laughs) (laughs) without making it super weird and slow. So like, but this thing is, and this thing came out in August of 2020. So like during the pandemic and like it, you know, it never really got playlisted on any, like of the major you know, editorial playlists or anything, mm. but like it's coming up on half a million streams now yeah, and it well. keeps going. It keeps going. And like the daily, the daily stream numbers are actually like higher than they ever were now, two years later. And I'm like, mm. what's going on with this record? Like, what is this? So yeah, I'd say this is the, the one that comes to mind that I'm like, how does this have half a million streams? Yeah. <laughs> like it's never been played anywhere. Like it's not a club record that anyone would have shazammed on a dance floor or at a festival. Like, I don't know. It's, it's mad, isn't it? It's mad. And I think that's the amazing thing about music is that once it's out, it's not yours. It's the, yeah. it's the universes. And it is, I've got a record at the moment and it's just like, I don't understand why it's doing so well. And I like, it's, <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous. I literally had a conversation with my manager and we're like, we're talking like strategies of next single and things like that. And I'm like, I've, I've just today finished. I've had this record that I've got planned to come out in August and I was, I haven't been a hundred percent with it for months. And I just finished a version that I'm like, fuck yeah, I've nailed it. Mm. <clears throat> and like it's taking me months to do it. And then I'm like, I should just write something that takes me three hours because the record that's doing so well at the moment, I literally wrote in like two and a half hours. And I'm just like, I just don't that's understand this. this. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, it's got like, literally, if you look at the project file, it's got like eight tracks. Mm. Uh, you know, like I recorded the vocals on my like home microphone and I wrote the thing in like two and a half hours. Yeah. It's mad, like what? Yeah, like sometimes, but but I'm sure this one that you're talking about that has taken all these drafts is also awesome. Like sometimes, sometimes it takes all that, you know, like it does. It, it really does. I think, I think there's parts of it though. When I don't know, I don't, when something takes so long, does it feel, does the vibe get lost? I don't know. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like, like all my biggest records have actually literally been like, two three hours in the making wow and then like my searching i don't know if you know my record searching it did pretty well but that i do that took like that took a while but like Mm -hmm. all the ones that like my mates play and all the ones that like do well in the clubs are like literal just vibes it's weird though but then it's like also what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to step out of the club a little bit with some mm-hmm. of the records and it's like mm-hmm. ha- I, you have to take more time on those records because I think so they're listening records I think so and like yeah I, I just wouldn't let the amount of time that a record has taken like preclude you know preclude it from 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 being considered as like a contender for you know the next release it's just fucking like. annoying <laughs> <laughs> You got this record um, I mean, that's, and, that's like taking hours and it's fucking killing. And then you got a record that takes like six months to make and it doesn't do anything. You're like, I spent all this time. I deserve this. I, think, I know, I know. And like, I'm going to be guilty of that soon myself, even as I'm trying to like, you know, console you. But like, just, 
I guess like as artists, we have to like learn to not attach how much time we put into something yeah. as like the, the measure of really anything, you know, and we should just be happy. Maybe we should just take it as like an average. Like well, some, I, some, yeah. some tracks will take two hours. Some will take two years. And you know, the rough average of that. I agree. Like, but I also think it's like, is what, what do we, how are we measuring success in that situation? Mm-hmm. Like the way I'm, mm-hmm. the way I'm measuring that record is that based on the number of streams or based mm. on the amount of people that are playing it. Mm. What, what is a successful record in like, what should, what should a successful record be when we're measuring success? And I guess that just depends on what your ex, what your kind of definition of success is. I think um, this is super intangible, but like one good measure of success for me that, and it's, it's really the only measure that matters to me, I think is um, kind of how many people in the audience like get excited and scream mm. when you start mixing it in, Yeah, you know, like, cause you know, nowadays there are so many like editorial playlists that have such a big following but people are listening to that stuff very passively, you know, like they'll turn on the playlist when they're cooking or Mm. whatever. So like, they're not even really necessarily paying attention to what's playing, but, but you know, if your track has like a good position on that list, like you might be racking up the streams. Right. So like on paper, there might be a record that has 3 million streams and like, no one it could still be that like no one knows what that record yeah, is totally. it just it just it just happened to be like position number five mm. on like a really good playlist but like no one's actively been listening to that record yeah right so like whereas like you know i have songs that you know have less than a hundred thousand streams where like every time i mix this this thing in mm. you know like people like are like so excited they're like yes they can hear it being mixed in and like they're like and then i get dms afterwards like i literally came to your show just to hear that live thank you for playing it and i'm like wow like people know what this record Mm. is like it doesn't it doesn't have all the streams you know but like well i think that's that's the issue isn't it is that we go by a lot nowadays a lot of success is based on streams or followers Mm -hmm. and i think I think that's where the business side of it gets a bit messy because I think that's where you can have kind of a pissing match with other artists and kind of you can com- start comparing yourself to other artists and things like totally. that. Totally. You, do you ever do that? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I was just, I know, I was like, I wonder if he's going to ask if I do that. Because, <laughs> like, like, you have this image of me as being, like, this, this like, fucking super angel. happy about Yeah. <laughs> And here I am just like, if you only knew that, no. Um, well, so I'm a very analytical person and, mm. you know, as you know, now I come from a tech background yeah. and a product management background. And like my entire job was to like run analysis on yeah. everything and optimize <laughs> everything based on data. Um, you Is know, that how you run your life and- as well? Generally? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to shut, it's, it's hard to shut that off. And it's, it's sometimes at odds with like being an artist, yeah. you know, cause like sometimes like you just, you just can't give a fuck about that stuff, but yeah. like, and it'll get, it'll get in the way of your artistry, but like, oh man, that's just how my brain is mm. wired. And so of course I am looking at the data and the numbers all day long, you yeah. know, like I mean, all day long. I just, I mean, like that stuff is absolutely like in the back of my mind, yeah. like you know, constantly. And it's weird. Like I know all of it. I know my, I know all of my stats. It's like probably scary. Like Mm. I talk to people like Josh, for example, Josh Butler, and he's just like, 
I love how detached he is. You know, like one day he was like, he said something and he just had like no idea like where his streaming numbers were or what anything, what anything was sitting at. And I was like, oh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> like, oh, I wish I had no idea where any of my, my shit was, you know? Yeah. Like, I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't look. Um, so like, unfortunately, like in some ways, I'm I'm like really dialed into that. But then in other ways, like I'm also able to like, just be like, okay, but so what, you know? That's that's the process that, that to get to that level, to get to that point where it's like, yeah, I care about this, but there's nothing I can do out of, out of the ordinary. It's not like you can ask somebody to change it. It's got to change itself. No. Or somebody, exactly. one of the powers at Spotify or Apple or Radio 1 or whatever that is, they are the only people that can change that. And if you've done everything out of your way to get it to those people to hear it and it's still not getting playlisted or fans aren't listening to it or there's so many factors in how to promote a record that you just never know. And you could, you, you could have a checklist and you can do the same thing for every single record and every single record is going to perform differently. Right. Right. That's such a good point that you make. That's such a good point. Like that just proves how little of this we actually can control. This is, right. and this is what I say is like, I say that I'm lucky and everyone always kind of like says, no, you're, you're not lucky. You've worked hard for this. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've worked hard, but I'm so lucky. Like the fact that we're having this conversation, we're both lucky because we're so lucky. like th- how many other people in are trying to get, a percentage of what we have as in our careers our lives and every step of our life has kind of taken us to where we're at right now and yes hard work gets put into that but majority of it is luck yeah i agree i i couldn't agree more i feel so grateful every day despite despite the rough days despite the days yeah. where things don't work out you know and, and and despite you know the mental health challenges and 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 all of that like i'm still so i i make sure that i speak like my gratitude mm. out loud or, or think it out loud to the universe every day mm. like i <laughs> i know i keep talking about the universe but like i just i'm so it's passionate fine. you, you like, move to la idea. it's fine i get it <laughs> <laughs> Quick, let me hide the crystals are like floating around my room. There's Don't one look. there. I, I see a salt rock. I see a salt rock. Damn it. But um, no, it's just like, I feel like I have such a good relationship with it. Mm. Like, I feel like, I feel like we communicate on the reg, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I feel like it really, it speaks to me and I speak to it. And that's part of the, that's part of my luck. Like, mm. like I feel like having the universe on my side is part of my look mm. and I want to keep it that way. And yeah. I feel like so much of it is like having a good relationship with it. Mm. You know, it's like speak to it, like think conscious thoughts of gratitude. Mm. Like even if you, I mean, okay, I'm not literally sitting in my room speaking out loud, having a conversation with the universe, but like I'm thinking these thoughts, you know, yeah. and I'm, and I'm being very, very conscious every day of like what I'm grateful for. Mm. And I think that, I think, I think it does something. I don't think it does nothing. You know, I, I think, I think it has some, some impact, even if you can't see it and it's not tangible. Like I think it just keeps the train going. Well, I think it does something for you internally, which is why you do it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I think it's easy to, it's like that positive, it's the same as a positive mental attitude. Like whatever works for you works. Yeah. And, but realistically, if you're being positive about yourself, you're being, you're not being negative. You're kind of putting good things out there. Good things will come back and you're, you will attract that as well. If, yeah, if you're being so a, if you're being a dickhead, if you're being super negative, that becomes your environment, yeah. and and your yeah. environment. You are the creator of your environment, and I think if if you stick to positivity and kindness and hard work and just willing to to do whatever it takes to kind of get to it, it will happen. Yeah, and I think as long as you as long as people don't feel that they what's the word Uh, owed something and yeah and i think eventually it will will come around it might take years for somebody it might take 10 years it might whereas you it's taken this long if you know what i mean um but if it definitely comes around every there's space for everyone Everyone. I agree. And it, it isn't the only real competition you have is with yourself. That's that's the it's, thing that I've worked out over the last three years is that it, I'm not competing with anyone else. Like, no, there's space for everybody in this world to DJ. There is. I mean, like, nobody even looks like each other. You know exactly. what I mean? There isn't there, there isn't anyone that looks exactly like you no. or exactly like me. And then on top of that, like there isn't anyone that makes the exact kind of music that you do or the exact kind of music. That's just like, so yeah, there's, unless there's a clone of you or I running around somewhere that's like the exact same person. Like, of course there's room for, for everyone because everyone's well, different. Everyone's unique. Yeah. Unless you're trying to be somebody and copy somebody's music, which you're not. So it doesn't matter. No. There's plenty of that out there. <laughs> um, right. But. I and think, I feel I feel I feel like that that could spark a whole other discussion or debate about like do do those is there room for those people like like do those people deserve room? I th- I think they deserve room, but I just don't think there's longevity. I think I I truly mm. think like I'd be lying if I hadn't tried to make music like somebody else at some point in my career, um, right. right? To try and have their success, and then it made mm. me realize that I don't need to do that to have, because I don't want their success. I want, yeah. I want my success. Um, yes. And I can't have anybody else's success, but Mm-mm. apart from your own. So yeah, I, I think, I think there's room for everybody. And I think whatever way it takes somebody to get to where they want to get to it, that, that is the journey of, of somebody's career in, in music, in life generally. Um, totally. I, like I, I know I've got friends that were very successful artists and then going into the pandemic, their whole career fell out their ass and now they're managers and they're, they're enjoying it more or their label A&Rs and they're enjoying it more than they ever did. And they were like, why didn't I do this beforehand? So I Mm. think that everything, I'm a big believer is everything happens for a reason. Um, It just takes time. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the hard part because yeah. we're all impatient. <laughs> right? Fuck me. I'm the worst. 
I'm so as zen as I may seem and as happy as I may seem. I mean, I wrote a whole song about the concept of of time. Mm. You know, I have a track literally called Time. And I wrote (laughs) (laughs) and I wrote this track kind of as a reminder to myself Mm. about about time, really itself. And and to kind of to kind of uh how do I explain this? Like, so this, I mean, so that the hook is like, I don't want to waste my time on you. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's just, it. it's very simple. Who hurt you, you? <laughs> you could be anything, you know, like when I, when I wrote that, it was like, I thought about like, you know, when there are toxic people in your life, mm. you know, like, but, but also like, but also like obstacles or things that you fixate on that, like you shouldn't be just mm. like anything that like distracts you. Yeah from you know your path and like what you're trying to do like that's who you is directed at and it's kind of just it's just kind of a reminder to me about like both valuing my time but also trying not to be too like obsessed about like Mm. time you know and that like or, or and to not wish to like rush time away because um in doing that, you're basically like rushing away the actual like living of life, yeah. of living through it. Mm. Like, you know. It's tough, isn't it? Because I think when you're trying to have a career out of something, it's like, well, in 10 years time, I'm going to be here. But I think it's what in the 10 years, in between those 10 years, what's the journey and mm-hmm. I'm I'm a sucker for it. And I, I think coming out of COVID has helped me massively, but it's that process of do we can we actually am I actually happy? Am I actually enjoying the process of getting to where yeah. I want to get to? Um it takes time. I think it's so it does. And I it's so important to it's so important to like periodically make sure you ask yourself that Mm. like I'm going through that right now where you know I'm this is the first year that I've really felt like I've you know been touring a bit and um I've had to like you know sort of take a step back and ask myself like okay that was fast um that that happened and it's still happening but like how do I feel you know like so it's so important to like ask yourself that along the way and not just like get swept up in the in the motion of things and you know in asking myself that recently I realized obviously like I'm so grateful for like all the touring I've been able to do this year and all the incredible shows I've been able to play but like there has been an aspect of feeling a bit like I'm just kind of running around in a, in a loop every Mm. weekend of like, and I mean, you know exactly how this feels just like, it's like Monday through Wednesday I have here. And then Thursday through Sunday, I'm already like running off. Like my apartment is a mess, you know, like, um, there's just things that like, I haven't been able to like take care of my personal life. And, and I'm also like finding that for me, like trying to squeeze in like production, like time on my laptop on the road or like, during that during that those monday tuesday wednesdays that like i have like that doesn't work for me like i so envy people who can just produce on the road like Mm. i I hope i hope one day that i get there but like that's just not the way that i can i can make music yet and i'm realizing that like okay what works for me is is like probably going to be something that looks more like being on the road for x amount of the year and then taking intentional time off yeah 
and just like saying like no to any shows and knowing that I've got this like two month block where like I can be at home, get my life in order and like sit and create like I've just like and it's it's taken time to yeah. like learn that about myself. Like I didn't know that this is how I was going to be. Yeah, yeah. It's it, yeah. it's it's interesting how it all works. And I think we're forever changing as human beings. So what works one year doesn't work the next year. Right, that's true. It, for me it was like during COVID I wrote so much music like I, I remember that you're like I was like Will is killing it insane. like your stories and you were always making music always. and I was like damn and then coming out of COVID I didn't write anything for I I've always written music my whole like career since I was 16 years old I've written music wow. every single week at some point and <sighs> like I did five months of writing like barely six or seven records which is wild for me and it got to me like proper got me down and it got me to a point where I'm like can I actually even write music anymore and oh my gosh that's how I feel all the time yeah and it's so depressing <laughs> but it's like yes you can but you just have to work out and like I'm working on on a, a project in the moment where it's very different music writing compared to what I'm used to and it's like pushing me but I'm like this is exactly what I needed I need I didn't need to write another club record I can write another club record like but I need something that actually like excites me like club making club music doesn't excite me as much as it used to so mm -hmm. let's go write something else or let's go and push the club music to like a different level and I think mm. that's what it took for me but like if I asked myself that four years ago it wouldn't be that Mm -hmm. and right because like that's not where your head was at four yeah, years ago yeah so it's it's yeah. really it's really interesting how we all change um that's what keeps it interesting that's yeah. what keeps i mad can you imagine just doing the same thing for 20 years Fuck that. Fuck uh, that's uh I, do you know no yeah. <laughs> yeah. i i that's like my worst nightmare and so as scary as it is to have to like reassess yourself every year, every six months and, and, and realize, oh my God, like I'm not excited anymore by what I was last mm. year. Like that's a good thing maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's not a bad thing. No, I like that a lot. Um, we've just done over an hour and a half and I would, <laughs> I, I could keep going, but I've got another podcast in 20 minutes to, to record. Oh my God, um, oh God, okay. So I, I want to, I really, really enjoyed this conversation, but I kind of want to end it um, I've been ending some of them. I've been asking a question, not every podcast, but I do on the ones that I feel is right. And the, Ooh, there's okay. a question is, is what advice would you give somebody? What life advice would you give somebody right now? Not necessarily in to do with music, but just life advice. What would that be? Oh, wow. Life advice. tough isn't it <laughs> it's very tough i mean i'm like i'm like there's a couple things that, you know that i would i want to say but um don't think don't you don't have to think too hard about it because it, it can hard. change okay. tomorrow it, what you would say tomorrow is completely different but it's like now what is it now now okay now um i guess something that's that's very like real for me right now is is taking care of your mental health mm. you know and I would say, um, don't neglect that really. Like it's a real thing. Um, you know, treat it as such like, and, and 
you know, that, that what, what that looks like is going to be different for everyone, but like, just make sure that like you are taking a little bit of time every day to like do something that makes you happy, like for yourself, whether that's like going for a walk mm. or like starting off your day with a little bit of stretching and yoga, like whatever it is for you, like, don't, don't let the grinding get so, you know, intense that like you don't give yourself that. And I, cause I'm so guilty of that, mm. but like, you know, recently I found myself kind of in a, in like a dark place, um, because I wasn't taking care of some of those things. Mm. And so just get your sunshine, get your stretching in. It seems so little and small and like, Oh, how is that really going to like change anything? But you'd be so surprised. Like we are like, we are all such creatures of habit. Yeah. We don't even realize that like, it's not even that the stretching itself is just what makes you happy, but it's like, if that's something that you do every morning at the same time and you, and you make a routine out of it, it helps your brain understand that like, it just like helps you get like into the right space to do everything else. If that makes sense. So like, yeah, take, take care of your mental health and then do, do something every day. That's, that's 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 for yourself i love that i love that so me thank you so much i've loved this podcast um how can uh, people thank you for having me no worries how can people follow you how can people listen to your music um i guess through all the the regular channels um i guess I, i'm mostly on instagram but you know What's i've also handle? got a t- Oh, my handle, my handle is so me at so me underscore. So at S O H M I underscore. And, um, I think it's the same on Twitter. Do people and, use uh, Twitter still? You know, <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, they do because like, you know, like people yeah. are, I mean, I, I, the feed is just constantly yeah. like, you know what I mean? But, um, um, I don't, I'm not super big on it, but every once in a while I'll put my like kind of stream of consciousness, yeah. like thoughts on there, like things, things that don't feel like, like things that where I'm like, I don't know if my Instagram is the appropriate, like yeah, home for yeah, this yeah. random thought, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like, so I like Twitter for that. I, Twitter is interesting for that. Cause you can, but I, during the pandemic, I unfollowed practically everybody. I have like yeah. super, and I probably should follow unfollow less, but I don't go on it. I go on it once a week and just kind of t- post and ghost as I call it. Yeah, no, I can see that. It's, it's, it's not the like healthiest of spaces yeah. all the time. Um, but every once in a while, like, you know, I, I, I find some gems on there or some yeah. updates that I would have yeah. otherwise missed or yeah. kind of like, you know, you get, you can you can kind of get a read into like some of your friends like mental states by like reading their stream of consciousness <laughs> tweets and like from there I can be like maybe I should check in on my friends. Yeah, you okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like it's valuable in its own ways, but um, I'd say yeah, um, Instagram is probably more of like the space where I'm. You're at. Yeah, I'm at so there, and um, my music's on Spotify and and SoundCloud and all those good places, Apple music. So awesome. Go listen, people. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm Thanks, sure Will. I'll see you at some point over the year. And you're playing yep, with se- me. September. Is it September? <laughs> it is like, are we allowed to like, yeah, fuck it. It's in Austin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what date is it? I think, are you sure we're allowed to? <laughs> I don't care. It's fuck like, it. <laughs> it's like September 2nd or so. Uh, I'm pulling up my calendar. Um, 
Is it the second? Yeah, I think so. It's not in my calendar yet, but yeah, it's happening in Aug- in Austin. In Austin. Whoop, whoop. I'm good. excited. I love Austin and I haven't been back since last November. So Same. it's a fun, fun place. Um, thank you so much. Keep safe and I'll see you very soon. Thanks, Will. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Uh, I love that. That was amazing. Hope you did. Uh, big thanks to Sammy for coming on. Big thanks to you all for listening. Please subscribe. Please share it. Please give us, give us reviews. Keep safe. Till next time.